running low on liquids. <laughs> Should never l run low on liquids. Whew. Now nah, I want to do that after. Is everybody good this morning? Okay, we're in our uh, third part of the five-part series called Stand. Say Stand. See, first Sunday we said Stand Strong. Last Sunday, Stand Together like an army, right? And today we're going to be talking about standing in awe. You know, if, you, if, if we're an army, and like last week I was hearing that we're like a battalion. There are battalions all over the city, all over the world. They're serving God that are, that are going out in the battlefield, going out in the front lines. If we're an army, thank you. If we're, if we're an army, then we have to know who the, the commander-in-chief is, right? We have a purpose. We have armor. We have all these things we've already talked about. But if we don't recognize who the commander-in-chief is, then we are going to still be floundering. We're going to be wandering. We're, going to be, we're not going to be effective. We need to, somebody to give us orders. And guess what? We have somebody who gives us orders. He gives us commandments. And his name is God, God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And so when we understand and recognize, that's what this sermon is about today. As soldiers in the army of God, we have got to come to the place of recognizing who we're serving. And there are scriptures, thousands of scriptures that talk about who he is. And we need to know and understand as best we can in our humanity, in our finite minds, come to the place of understanding the awesomeness of God. So we use that word awesome like we use the word love. Man, that was an awesome game. I'm just in awe of that guy, the way he throws the ball. I'm just in awe of that, of that person, the way she plays that instrument. And we use those words awe and awesome like we say, I love my wife and I love God and I love peanut butter. Those words have been weakened and diminished in our culture, haven't they? Because how many of y'all, oh, awesome, awesome. It could be something, nothing. Oh, that's awesome. You know, I got to, I got to, I got to be in, awesome. Yeah. We use those, we use those words very loosely, but in the Bible, when we're talking about the awesomeness of God or being in awe of God, it has a little bit different take. So this morning we're going to be in Psalm 33. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm uh, chapter 33, and we're going to look and we're going to delve into this, the idea of who God really is. And once you get a picture and understand who he really is, listen, your servant attitude might change. Your, your submission might change. Your obedience might change. And that's what God wants us to do. But he wants us to know who he is in such a way. And listen, we have a commander-in-chief, God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And he's not like any other commander-in-chief in the world or in the universe because he's the commander-in-chief that loves us. He loves us and he really wants the best for your life. He wants you to be effective in the kingdom of God. Our key verse today is, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. He wants us to stand. In, he wants us to stand strong. He wants us to stand together. And he wants us, first and foremost, he wants us to stand in awe of him. The expanded Bible, I like the expanded Bible. If you've never seen it before, you can find it on Bible Gateway or, or you can buy it. I have one of the Bibles itself. And, and it really kind of is like a modern version of the amplified version, okay? All the earth should worship. This is the same verse. All the earth should worship. Now, see, we have the word fear, the Lord, and then we have all the earth should worship. And the word worship here means fear or hold in awe. The Lord, the whole, all the inhabitants of the world should fear him or hold him in awe. We're going to talk about fear this morning. Some of you don't fear God like you should fear God. Our, our, our country doesn't fear God like we should fear God. Countries across the world 
do not fear God anymore like they used to fear God. And that's why the world is in such a mess that it's in. We don't have a healthy fear of God. Listen, if you want to take notes, the first thing I want to share with you is that we praise and worship the one we are in awe of. The first verse, Jeff read these verses earlier. I'm going to go through them quickly. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous. Now listen, he says to rejoice in who? In the Lord. We rejoice in a lot of things. Here he said, just rejoice in him. First and foremost, we've got to rejoice in the Lord. Then he goes on to say, for praise from the upright is beautiful. Well, some of you come in here this morning, and you didn't feel like praising God. You didn't feel like worshiping God. You don't feel worthy. You know, I'm just not righteous enough to worship God. Listen, his righteousness is what covers you. We come before him. Listen, we come into right standing because of the blood that we just sang about. You don't come in here of your own perfection. You come in here under the perfection of the blood of Christ, the righteousness of Christ. So he says, we're to come before him with praise. We're to, to come before him with worship for praise from the upright is beautiful. Man, I love to praise and worship God. And I don't care if you've got a good voice or bad voice. You ought to love, if you're a believer, if you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you should love to praise and worship him. It's beautiful, the Bible says. Praise the Lord with harp. Make melody to him with an instrument of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. Some people go, well, does that mean we're going to have to learn a new song all the time? Because next week I thought we, would, we might try that new song, Good, Good Father. Anybody heard that one? He's a good, good father. I love that song. And, and I've th- next week it's going to be about healing. And I want, I want you prayer warriors to be praying because I believe next week we're going to see some signs and wonders and healings and miracles in this place. I think we need to be prayed up and fasted up. Amen. Deliverances. I want to see God move in a, in, a, in a mighty and a powerful way, don't you? I mean, he is God. He wants to show off, right? And so he says to sing to him a new song. Well, what does that mean, a new song? I don't think it means we're going to do a new song next week or you've learned a new song this week. Every time you open your mouth and praise God, I don't care if it's standing on the promises or amazing grace or the, the, the song shout to the Lord. I don't care what the song is. It should be a new song in your heart. It should be new praise. Man, every time you sing, listen, yesterday's praise is yesterday's praise. What you praised him last week, listen, that's gone. He wants you to praise him today. We enter in the, in, out of the outer courts. We come into the, to the holy of holies. We're working our way into the holy of holies, guys. And he wants us to know that every time we open our lips and praise him, it should be a new revelation of praise to the Lord. Amen? Are you with me this morning? Because we need to know who he is. We need to know why we praise him. We need to know that it's important that we praise God. In yesterday's praise, listen, guys, we're not living on yesterday's praise. And it also says that we're to play skillfully. I don't know if you know this. I know maybe maybe you don't, but maybe you do. Maybe you take the praise team for granted. I don't know. Guess what? We don't show up on Sunday morning and decide that we're going to go through a few songs. It's, there's preparation all through the week. We have this whole, we have this whole program called Planning Center. The, the, all the praise team members, they, they, they click in, they, they check in, they, they get the song list, and they begin to listen to the songs. If they're new songs, especially listen to them. Oh, so we listen to the songs. We, we start learning the songs. We come up here on Saturday. We pray, practice from an hour to two hours. People come up here of their own volition, of their own volunteer, of their heart, because they want to worship God, and they come and practice to play skillfully. And we need to know that they're doing that not for to show you how good they are. We, we pray for an audience. We play for an audience of one. 
Y'all just get to be a part of it. And we're, we're called worshipers. And I've been to many worship conferences. All we're doing is drawing you in and leading worship. We go into battle leading. We are led by worship. You lead by worshiping your home parents. It's not just if you can sing a song. It's if you can truly enter into the presence of God and say, we're going forward, family. We're going to go forward in the faith that God has given us. So we sing him a new song. We play skillfully and we shout with joy. I, I, listen, I'm glad. I like to hear people shout in church. <laughs> that was a cue. Yeah, what? I love to hear people shout in church. There you go. Man, I, I love it. And some of you love it. I'm not a shouter. I'm not a shouter. That's okay. We need the other shouters to make up for the non-shouters. I, I used the, uh, uh, the picture of when, I, when my daughter was a cheerleader, we would go to the, the Bobcat games. And, man, I'm one of those robust cheerers. I'm one of those people in the stands. If, if the Bobcats were, to, they needed a first down, they got a first down or a touchdown. And if they would be sitting near me, we were high-fiving. We're turning around. We don't know the people behind us, but we're high-fiving them, too. And they're looking at, okay, you know, let's get into this. And then you got the other guy over here, and he's, he's watching the game. He's studying the game. He doesn't do anything. He's just, mm, it's good. He's a different kind of worshiper, right? So we have different kind of worshipers. But I like noise. I mean, I like, the, I like people making a joyful noise for the Lord. The Bible teaches us to do that. It also says we play instruments. I know some people say, well, we shouldn't have instruments in church. I don't know where they come by that. It's pretty clear in the songs. All these songs, it's about worship. Listen, we're to, we're to do whatever we do. It says in Colossians 3.23, whatever we do, if it's playing a music, uh, uh, an instrument, if it's teaching, if it's on your job, if, if you're a plumber you, and you're doing plumbing, everything that we do, the Bible says in, in Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, do it heartily. As to the Lord and not to men. So if you're going to think about, well, these guys are good, they're skillful, you're skillful too. You might have a skill in a different area, but he says everything that we do, as we do it, we do it unto the Lord. I want to promise you, if you think and keep that in the front of your mind, that everything you do is in honor of God and it's for God, your business will be blessed, your family will be blessed, you'll walk in the blessings of God, I promise you. And we stand in awe of his word. Listen, you cannot stand in awe of God without standing in awe of his word. His word is powerful. Look at verse 4. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his work is done in truth. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Jesus declared in the word that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He also declared in his word that he is he was, the, he was the word of God became flesh and dwelt among men. Jesus Christ is the word of God. So when we talk about truth, we're talking about Jesus. When we're talking about the, the word of God, we're talking about Jesus. And God says the word is, 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 is awesome that we need to be in awe of the word of God. Hebrews 4.12 said, for the word of God is living and powerful. Say living and powerful. See, people that neglect the word, you know what the opposite of living and powerful is? It's dead and powerless. That's what it is. I'm just saying what it is. The opposite of living and powerless is dead and useless or, or weak. So if you're walking through this life and you're, man, you're a child of the king and you don't have your weapon, your sword, if you don't have the word of God and you're not putting the word of God in your heart, then listen, you're going to walk in powerlessness. 
You're going, to be, you're going to be walking like a dead man. And that's what so many Christians do. They drag up the dead man, the one that's been buried and crucified. They dig up the corpse and they drag the corpse around with them. And they think everybody likes him. But men, you know what? Everybody thinks you're stinky because the corpse stinks. We need, to be li- we need to walk with the living, the powerful word of God. We need to have it in, heart, in our heart. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the heart. God's word is powerful. We need his word in our heart. Isaiah 55.1. Listen, when he says, listen to this verse. I-, I count on this verse when I preach. Because if I say things that are off-key or if they're off if, they're, if, they're, if I miss something or I said something backwards, you know, I, I can count on this verse. So shall my word, this is God speaking, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void or empty, but it shall accomplish, say accomplish. It shall accomplish what I please. This is God speaking. This, the word's going to accomplish what he pleases, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Listen, the word that I'm reading this morning is sharp. The word that I'm reading is powerful. And the word that I'm reading, God is sending it out like darts in the room today. And he said, let's going to accomplish what it needs to accomplish in Jerry and Jan and Jesse and Mary Lou and David and Blend and everybody else in here. If you will listen, if you will receive the word of God, it will accomplish exactly what God wants it to accomplish. How many of you know that? Man, you walk out, I've had so many people that come, man, what you said today, it was like you were talking right to me. Well, I wasn't talking right to them. God was talking to them through the word. I had a lady come with me last week. She said, you don't even know what you said today, how it touched my heart, how it was exactly what I needed to hear. Man, that blesses me. But you know what? It's about God. It's not about me. It's about how he wants to send his word out. He just chooses me to be a mouthpiece. But he chooses you to be a mouthpiece also. He continues in verse 6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. All the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deep in storehouses. Listen, that is when we... How many of you have ever been to the ocean? Wow, most of you have been to the ocean. If you live in West Texas and you're a kid and one day you finally get to go to the ocean, what is the thing that you see about it the most? Besides oil derricks and boats. The vastness. The vastness. Isn't that what gets you? I'm thinking, you can't see. The earth is curved, so you can't see the end of it. We're thinking the billions upon trillions upon trillions of trillions. I don't even know the word after trillions. Gazillions. I don't know. The gallons of water that God created when he spoke. The earth that he created when he spoke. Listen, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Anybody ever get out on a clear night and look at the, star, the stars? Watch them maybe look for the, the blood moon or whatever. Or you're getting out looking for a comet or you're going out, into, especially out in, the, out in the country where there's no lights around you and you can see the beauty of God, the majesty of God. And you think, listen, he spoke and they came into existence. Shouldn't we be in awe of him? Shouldn't we be in awe of the creator? Verse 8, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. I want to talk about fear just a little bit. If you go and look up the word fear in this passage, let all the earth fear the Lord. The word is 
that we had get from that fear, the, the root word of that in Hebrew is phobia. Anybody have any phobias? A few. Anybody have any phobias? Okay. A phobia is not necessarily a bad thing unless it rules and torments you. I have a phobia of rattlesnakes. Not fond of them at all. You're not going to see a rattlesnake ministry here. I'm not going to handle a snake just to show you how good God is and how great God is. I have a healthy fear of rattlesnake. I mean, if I see a rattlesnake there, I'm going there. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to go say, uh, one of you guys that has guns, shoot him. And if you have a, there's a healthy kind of a fear. There's also a tormenting kind of fear, right? That you won't walk and you won't get out of your car in the, in the, in the country because you think there's rattlesnakes everywhere. That's, a, that's an unhealthy fear. Some of us, we know that when we see a spider with a little red dot on him, what? Takes you off, slap. <laughs> right? But there's a, God wants us to have this fear of him, this healthy fear of him. So we actually become in awe of him because he created you, right? And he can do whatever he wants to with you, for you, or to you. I'm just saying. He can do whatever he wants. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 28, he says, and he was, te- he was preparing his disciples to go out and preach. He said, do not fear those who can kill the body, who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. He said, don't fear the Pharisees. Don't fear the people that are against me, but rather fear him, capital H, Jesus, who's able to destroy both soul and body in hell. I believe he's calling us to fear him. I believe he's calling us to have an, a reverence and an awe of him, but also a healthy fear of him. And you know what's happened in, a, in our country? People quit fearing God. Our leaders quit fearing God. The, the, the people in, in leadership positions all over the world, the average Christian has quit fearing God. We just think we can do whatever we want to, and God is good, God is gracious, and he's just going to look the other way when we sin, when we walk in rebellion. Did you know that's not the case? It says he disciplines those that he loves. And I don't know what his discipline looks like for you. I, I've, I've had it for myself, but I'm telling you, do you really want to find out his discipline? Oh, I want to do so many bad things because I want to see much, how much God really loves me. I mean, that is retarded thinking, isn't it? And I want to tell you, I want to tell you some of you are going to go, oh, no, we shouldn't fear God. We should fear God. How many of you had a dad that knew how to use a paddle or a belt in my case? Did you love your dad? Did he love you? Did you fear when you rebelled and you knew the paddle or the belt was coming out? Because he loved you, he whipped you. Or he paddled you. Or he put you in the corner, took something away from you, right? We don't do those things. Even we just we have uh, different ways of disciplining. But listen, God will remove things from your life. Sometimes he'll spank you. But he does everything he does with purpose and with intent and with love. But I just, I'm just saying, listen, guys, if you think you're going to continue to walk in your rebellion, you're going to flaunt it in God's face, I'm telling you, you should, you should think twice about that. And that's, what our, that's what's happening in our country. That's what's happening in the lives of in the people in the church body. Charles Spurgeon said, They who fear God need not fear anything else. Let them fix their eye of faith on him, and his eye of love will always rest upon them. Perfect love, what? Cast out fear. See, if you're dealing with a fear issue in your life and it's a tormenting fear, your focus shouldn't be on your fear. It should be on God. 
You turn your, your affections, your directions, your awe, living in awe of him, listen, the fears will dissipate because you're not going to think about the fears. You're thinking upon things of above. You're thinking upon Christ. Perfect love casts out all fear. We stand in awe of God's counsel, not man's counsel. Verse 10, the Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the peoples of no effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation. Listen, blessed is the nation. Say the nation. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. Guess what? I'm his inheritance. You are his inheritance. We, have, we, we are heirs of God. Just because you weren't born in Israel, just because you don't have Jewish blood in you, he says he's claiming all of us. We have this, we have this claim on our life by a righteous God. He's paid the price in full, and he says, I own you. And you don't, need, you don't want to be owned by anybody else but God. We think we can figure things out on our own. Listen, we need God's counsel. We think we can make decisions based upon man's counsel. We think we can make decisions based on man's programs or this television show or this, this self-help book. We go to all these things for help, and God says, all those things, I can just, they're no, they're no count. God's counsel is what counts. So listen, we need to begin to understand when we're in trial, when we're walking through some things in our life, go to the Word. Go to, go to a Christian counselor. Go to somebody who can speak life to you, speak truth to you. Because I'll tell you, your friends, they might be speaking Dr. Phil or Oprah or one any of those other talk show people. They might be speaking their, their language and not God's language. And I'm not saying that they don't speak God's language sometimes, but most of the time they, they just, they're just they're self-help people, self-help books. Probably many of you go home, you probably have a lot of kind of self-help books in your, in your library. But if you don't have the word of God in your library and it's not being used and checked out and used, then you're getting the wrong kind of counsel. I love this, verse 13. We stand in awe and we realize how he sees us. Listen to this. The Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men and women. From the place of his dwelling, he looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashions their hearts individually and he considers all their works. Isn't that amazing? Here we've got the God that speaks the universe into existence, forms the earth, tells the water what to do to separate from the, from the earth, creates all the animals, creates everything that we can ever see. God creates. He's, he's majestic. He's huge. When you're a little kid, did you just try to figure out how big God was? You were just, didn't it just kind of like, you, you couldn't go there in your mind, could you? How big is God? What's he look like? Well, it looks like a lot my, like, I think he looks like my granddaddy, you know, he's got, we don't know. He spoke, he spoke, and everything was created. But listen to this verse, though. Then he also, listen, he sees us. He fashions us. He looks at our hearts individually. And he considers all of our works. He considers all of our ways. Is that mind-boggling or what? He's got the whole world in his hands, but then he also has us in the palm of his hand. And he speaks to us individually. He speaks to us individually. We can hear God speak to us. Some people say, well, I've never heard the audible voice of God. If you've got the word of God, you've got the audible, pretty much the audible voice of God when you read it out loud. 
some people I know, I've heard people say, I hear the voice of God all the time. I've heard it very clearly in my mind very many times. Very clearly. It's like, I know, whew, <laughs> okay, I got it. <laughs> you know, and, and other times there's a struggle of, God, I really need to hear from you. Sometimes I, I hear people say, well, you know, I'm just, I'm just dry. I'm not hearing from the Lord. Then I just ask them, are you reading your word? If you're dry and you're not hearing from the Lord, then you're probably not reading your word. You're, you're probably not soaking in the word of God. Because he speaks to all of us. He sees us. He considers our works. Matter of fact, since he's the manufacturer of us, he has the right to inspect us. He knows the number of hairs on your head. It's getting easier for him to count mine every day. <laughs> he knows when a, when a sparrow falls. It, does that not amaze you? That he knows all these the intricate details of our life. Matter of fact, why wouldn't he? Because he formed us in our mother's womb. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. He knew us before creation. I mean, <laughs> this boggles your mind. Shouldn't we be in awe of him? Shouldn't we reverence him? Shouldn't we submit to him so quickly? That when God says to do this, why do we argue with him? You understand what I'm saying? Why do we argue with him? You know what we say when we're arguing with God? I know better than you. Oh, and then we just described who he is, and we're going to argue with that. Okay, go ahead, have fun. We stand in awe of the only one who can save us. Verse 16. No king is saved by the multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by strength or great strength. A horse is a vain hope for safety. Neither shall it deliver any by its great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who, what? Fear him. On those who hope in his mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Listen, back in that day when this was written, if you had horses, if your army was, was, had many horses, then you were considered a great power. And it's funny now that we have cars and automobiles that what we, when, we, when we get the more powerful ones, it's called what kind of power? Horsepower. And we rely upon horsepower even today. We rely upon things that we've manufactured today. We think those things, we think a powerful army is what we need. We think if we have our, our borders fortified, if we think we can have all these things done, then we're okay, we're safe. Listen, only God can save us. Only God can save us. That's what the word says here. No king is saved by an army. A, multitude, no mighty, a mighty man is not delivered by great strength. You know what, what that speaks to me in the word here? No man is delivered because of your good works. No matter how hard you try, no matter how hard you, you pray, how, many, how hard you do whatever you do, and you think, if I just do one more prayer, if I just fast one more day, if I just, if I just go deliver groceries one more time, whatever it is that you think you're going to do, it's not going to be good enough. Only God can deliver us. Only His grace, only His mercy, only the cross can save us. Paul, the apostle Paul, the great apostle Paul, when he had that turmoil, when you go back and read Romans 7, he said, I do what I, don't, I, I shouldn't do and I don't do what I should do. Man, there's this conflict in his heart. And listen to what he says about himself. He said, oh, wretched man that I am. This is Paul speaking. 
And this is the this is the man that's establishing churches, that's preaching the word. He said, oh, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? And he has the answer. I love it. I'm glad he just didn't stop there. Bobby, I'm glad he didn't. So who can deliver me? I wonder what's going to happen. How am I going to get out of this? He said, there's only one. He said, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Listen, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are lost. If you know him, you are saved. Pretty cut and dry. But God has this awesome, wonderful plan to save us. And I want to show you a video. Uh, Maybe you've seen it. Maybe you haven't. If you've seen it before, it's still going to blow you away again. About the awesomeness of God and his plan for you and me. Turn the lights down, please. And I'll tell you how you can know tonight that God will always hold you together no matter what. It's by looking a little deeper into the human body. And it's a little protein molecule called laminin. That's about what I felt the first time I heard that. Long story short, the tour was winding down. Last time around, we were in Tyler, Texas. The night was over. A guy walks up to me. I wish I could tell you the whole story. It was so of God. Introduces himself to me. He says, how are you doing? I just want to say hello. I said, it's nice to meet you. He says, you guys winding the tour down. Uh, where are you going to go from here? I said, well, I'm on my way back home to Atlanta, Georgia. He said, well, what's next for you? I said, I'm going to be preaching the next two Sundays for my pastor back in Atlanta. He said, oh, cool. What are you preaching on? I said, well, the series is on the glory of God in the human body. He said, that's really amazing. I'm a molecular biologist at the university down the road. Give me your talk. And I was like, oh, wow. I wasn't quite yet ready to unload the talk for a molecular biologist. So I kind of stumbled through what I had and he's kind of being kind and gracious and like, uh-huh, that's good. And then he says, well, what's your big left hook? You got to have a left hook, a big finish, right? I said, I don't have a left hook yet. He said, oh, Louie. Oh man, your left hook is laminin. And I'm totally blank on laminin. And he goes, Louie, it's a cell adhesion molecule, protein molecule. Do you know about proteins? I'm like, no. He said, Louis, cells organize into certain molecular structures, and that determines what protein there are. There are between 10 and 60,000 proteins in the human body. We don't even know how many proteins are in the human body. But one of them is a cell adhesion molecule. It's organized into this certain structure, and that tells the cell what its job is in the body. And this one is a cell adhesion molecule. And I'm like, All right. He said, no, Louis, it's like the rebar of the human body. The steel they put in the concrete when they lay the foundations of things, it's that stuff. It's it's holding your membranes together. It's the glue of the human body, Louis. It's laminin. you got to tell them about laminin. And I'm like, I promise you, I'm going home and tell them about laminin. And I'm sure when I do, revival is going to sweep across the church and probably around the world when I tell them. He said, no, 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 no. you got to see laminin like, okay, let's see it. He said, no, 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 you need to go look it up online. You need to go Google laminin. I don't even know how to spell laminin. (laughs) Takes his card out, he writes on the back, L-A-M-I-N-I-N. I'm like, okay, I cannot wait to get to my computer and get on Google, click on images, type in laminin, and I'm waiting, and these little thumbnails come up on the screen, and I'm like, 
that's laminin? The cell adhesion molecule. Woo! <laughs> I am so excited. I am beside myself. I cannot believe what I'm seeing. I love laminin. I'm so fired up. <laughs> you should see laminin, I guess. That's the thing, right? Okay. Here is a scientific diagram of the laminin cell adhesion molecule that's holding your body together right now, okay? This is what I found right here. No, come on, that's crazy. <laughs> that's just crazy. I'm, I just can't believe it. I emailed that guy back so fast, I'm like, wow, 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 what in the world? He said, you want to see an actual laminin molecule? I'm like, oh, no, man. The diagram was cool for me. I'm happy with that. Don't, don't bother sending anything else. I'm like, yes! And he sends me this image, an electron microscopic image of an actual laminin protein molecule. It looks just like this. Like how crazy is that? That the stuff that holds our bodies together, that's holding the lining of your organs together, holding your skin on, is in the perfect shape of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And immediately I'm thinking about the words of Paul in Colossians 1. You know this beautiful passage where Paul's talking about the supremacy of Christ and the sufficiency of Christ. He says, for by him, talking about Jesus Christ, all things have been created, things in heaven and things on earth. All things were created by Jesus and for Jesus. But then the next verse goes on to say this. It's crazy. And he, Jesus, is before all things. And in him, that is, in Jesus Christ, all things hold together. It's right, it's right there. I'm like, of course they do. Of course they do. Everything holds together in Jesus Christ. And he goes on at the end of this paragraph, and he just tells the story of grace. He says, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Christ and through Christ to reconcile to himself all things by making peace through his blood shed on a cross. Whew. I don't know about you. I'm in awe of God. Would you stand? Really would love the ministry team to be up here this morning. All the ministry team, life group pastors. last part of Psalm 33 said our soul waits for the Lord he is our help and our shield for our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name let your mercy O Lord be upon us just as we hope in you 
The bottom line is, have you trusted in his name? Have you trusted in Jesus? Are you in awe of him? Does his word wow you? When you praise him, when you worship him, is it like a new song every time you sing? Because if it's not, guys, maybe you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And the invitation would be for you this morning to come and meet him. Come and surrender your life to him. Recognize the awesomeness of the one who created you. How much he loves you. That even the molecules that hold us together, he designed. And he holds you together today. Maybe you're here this morning. You know Jesus Christ. Do you remember the day that you gave your life to him? Maybe you were baptized in the water. You were immersed in water. But you've lost that awesomeness. You've you've let slip the wonder. And coming to church is just coming to church. Reading your Bible is just reading your Bible. Praising him with yesterday's praise you think is going to suffice. And today you've been awestruck again. And he has, he has blessed you today to be renewed in your faith. Maybe, that, maybe this time is for you. Whatever the need you have this morning, if it's for salvation, just repentance, just to come to that place of re recommitting your life. We have an altar here you can bow at. Nobody will come and pray with you if you want to come and bow here at this altar. But if you need prayer, if you need, an, if you need somebody to lead you to Jesus and show you how to come to him, these folks up here will love to pray with you. So bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, we're in awe of you. We're in awe of you this morning. We fear you, Lord. We have a holy, reverent, awesome fear of you. We want to be obedient children, Father. We want to, we want to, we want to walk after your precepts, after your commandments. Father, if we're going to be any kind of an army, we need to gather together in your name and walk forward as one, submitting to your rule, to, to your reign, that we are children of your kingdom and you are the king. And we submit to you, King Jesus, today. And Father, there may be one, there may be ten that don't even know you as Lord and Savior. This morning would be the morning. They would step across the line. They would step across from death to life, from darkness to light. And today they would find hope. They would trust you. Father, there are others here that have just, they're just in a state of apathy. They're in a state of just getting by and you have so much more for them. Whatever the case, Father, whatever the need is, you know it. You know their hearts. You know my heart. We submit to you today in Jesus' name. Amen.